This is the Life and Soul podcast with me, Emma Forbes. 2020 really was an eventful year, and amidst the madness, we've all had time to reflect on what we most appreciate in life. And although we're still surrounded by uncertainty, it's important to be reminded of what really matters. I'm going to be asking some fabulous guests what makes them tick, asking them what really gives them life and what really feeds their soul. So join me for some nuggets of wisdom, a moment to breathe, and above all, a good old chat over a virtual cup of tea. And I hope that by listening, you'll leave feeling a little brighter about the year ahead. Welcome to Life and Soul. Today, I'm joined by somebody that I love, I admire, the fabulous Anya Heimark. She's not only a mother, she's an entrepreneur, she's a globally renowned businesswoman. I've got pretty much all of her bags. And we both love the same person, which is my sister, which makes me love her even more which actually, let me just tell you, in lockdown and pandemic and everything else, how great that's been to sort of have each other during that. Never has kindness been more of a, I don't know, a currency. Well, very easy, frankly, because it's very easy to be kind to your sister, who we, I, well, I just adore, as you know. Yeah, exactly. And um, a tough old time, but we're getting there and the sun is coming out and uh, I think life's beginning to feel a bit better. Please, God. Well, we are. And I've got so much to chat to you about because you're about to release your new book, which I've already read and love. If in doubt, wash your hair, a manual to modern life, which is going to be my manual for modern life. Let me tell you, post pandemic. And uh, also you've got this retail concept for which I'm hoping it's going to be open when I finally get back to England called The Village. It's opening in mid-May, isn't it? I yeah, that's right. 17th. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be there. This incredible concept of just a little bit of everything, because it's sort of a collaboration for all of your brand's experiences, including, because again, luckily, because of my sister, I saw the sample cookies in the cafe. Love those. Um, <laughs> but you're going to have a few collabs. It's like a one-stop shop. I wanted to start with, it must have taken a village to create this village. <laughs> it's always taken a village, hasn't it? I mean, I think it is literally uh, why the word village sort of seems so appropriate somehow. We sold a bit of our business many years ago and we bought it back, actually, um, just two years ago now, exactly, actually. And I, I just felt when we got it back that I wanted to bring it back to local, bring it back to my roots. And the first ever ground floor store that we opened was in Pont Street, which is um, where we're opening this little village. And it's almost like a magnet to me to take it right down here. We used to have sort of six stores around the world and that was 60 window schemes and you know we still have a number of stores and and that's lovely but it just felt right to create this this place which was not only local but where I could really be so it wasn't a window scheme in Singapore where I hadn't sort of seen the store for a long time but it was somewhere I can pop into every day Um, and somewhere where we can actually sort of pour all of our kind of mad creative ideas into and have fun and meet our customers and it's just a really lovely it's just like scratching an itch really for me frankly you know I just I just love the idea and I love that the first pop-up in light of your book is going to be shampoo and therapy getting your hair sort of what we need there was a there's a lovely photograph I found actually it's an old sort of 19 sort of 50s photograph I think of a lady sitting in one of those amazing sort of in fact your mother has one those amazing sort of um hoods those those hair drying yes what are they called I'm not sure what they're called hoods not sure the name you know I I don't know what they are but you should have you should have taken my mum's one as a vintage (laughs) piece in the store frankly (laughs) literally it is the dream your mum's um it's so it's it's this lovely photograph of someone in probably the sort of 50s and she's sitting under this hood with her eyes closed having that first sip of coffee and there's some sun on her face. And if there's one feeling, one picture that sort of just completely sums up how I want to feel on May the 17th or May in the village, it's that picture. So we thought, yes, as a bit of a laugh really to celebrate the book. Um, we would sort of drive home the fact that I really do feel better when I've washed my hair. And there is that that lovely 
um, sense of you just feel like you've sort of, you know, it's a spring clean, it's a fresh start, it's a, it's a sort of, it's five minutes of sort of meditation in the shower. There's so many reasons why you feel better, I think. Um, and so we thought it would actually be quite fun to open a, a pop-up hair salon called, yes, Shampoo and Therapy, because I think shampoo is therapy. Um, and uh, what's quite sweet, though, is, I mean, we have, we literally, I think it almost booked up. We're actually extending it. We, we literally sold out of appointments within sort of five minutes. And, and um uh, people are booking groups of four coming in. So oh, girlfriends are coming as groups of four, booking a cocktail, a hair wash and being together. And it's a really sweet sort of response, which is oh, exactly my dream. Mm. No, I do you know what? I love that. And I also think to go in a group, I mean, what fun, because actually even going to the hairdressers, which as we know has become a thing of the past the last year and a half, but it is always therapy. I've always loved going to the hairdressers. I've always thought going getting your hair washed. And I loved, you know, as you say, it's the title of your book. I loved it for many reasons because my mother, her thing with Sarah and I was if ever we felt down or miserable, she always offered to get her highlights done. That was her big thing. She'd say, you know, you'd go, I've, I've you know, split up with a boyfriend. This has gone wrong. She'd go, let me get your hair highlights done. And it's a sort of same... And, and I've had so many highlights, let me tell you, through that through that one comment. I've kind of gone, you're right. You know what? Highlights will make me feel a hell of a lot better. I feel like I haven't had enough highlights then in that analogy. But no, it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny thing, isn't it? So it's just whatever. And it, it also speaks, I think, to um, to doubt. I think the, the book is about doubt, actually. So yeah. it's if in doubt, wash your hair. So it's the, yes. sort of, the first response is, you know, ha ha, yes, isn't it funny? It does make you feel better. Every girl understands that, I think, pretty much. But it also does refer to the doubt and that feeling if you... If you sort of gone, have I got time? Haven't I got time? No, no, no. I'll just, I'll, I'll sort of not wash my hair today. And you sit in a meeting and somehow you just don't feel quite as, as sort of confident. You don't sort of quite um, look everyone in the eye in the same way. So it's a book about doubt as well, actually. It's a brilliant book. I've read it. I really loved it. It also, I think I, I think I emailed you and said like my, my 24 year old daughter read it and was like, oh my God, it's brilliant. So you appealed to everybody because as you say, you, you, it talks about doubt. It talks about vulnerability. It talks about being a woman in the workplace you talk about everything, but it's not, you know, when it's like a manual to life, there are so many that are so dictatoring. Do you know what I mean? Is there even a word dictatoring? But the word, you <laughs> know, ones now. that, yes, there is now. I've just created it. But ones that make you, you know, you need to do this A, B and C. And this is just so lovely because you can sort of dip in and go, no, I get that. And, and what a brilliant way of putting it. And I, I just loved the advice in it. And I loved all of the chapters, but I have to tell you my favorite one, which is one of the many reasons I love your bags, is the labeling thing <laughs> that we both share. And as I read it, it spoke to my inner soul because the A, the chapter's entitled, I'd label my children if I could. I feel exactly the same way. Um, and that you just, you know, you love labeling and lists, which is my great passion in life too and your bags are always so the, the organizational section of your bags as you know I'm first on that website to go oh my god there's another one the new one that's a square that kind of opens out just sings to my soul I think we are cut from the same cloth aren't we which is basically <laughs> we're both nerds I think is the truth it's funny that I think organization is so much more than just you know the thing that my kids tease me about and call me a complete loser and a fun tampon that's what they call me um and uh, <laughs> which is charming isn't it? um but the truth is actually without my organization they probably wouldn't be where they need to be no, on time it's so true. Yeah. no it's true it's like a whole thing you said you've got a motto I've now forgotten who you said did it but it's like having ideas not holding them it's like a yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it is yeah. a way of, of 
of, of organizing one's life. I don't think you could do the jobs that you do if you weren't organized. No, well, I actually think it, it's it's an art and a science. And, uh, and in fact, I, I'm fascinated by the science part of it. And actually, there's uh, my, I talk about in the book that the, my son, at his first sort of induction week um, at um, Freshfields when he was becoming a lawyer, um, had a, a sort of training course on, on best practice management of his inbox. And I was like, oh, yum, like, how does that work? Um, and you know, there's all sorts of tips, for example, um, which is, you know, the one you just said, which is, you know, your 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 head is for having ideas, not for holding them. So if you have an idea, great. Yeah. It comes to you, put it down on a list, and then you've got a free head to come up with more ideas rather than your whole brain being sort of going, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And you're not actually then creating new ideas. So that was interesting. Little things like, for example, I'm forever using my email as a sort of, you know, remember to write a thank you note to. And they're like, yeah. no, no, put that on your to-do list straight away. Or you're putting in your email and then you've got to put it back on your to-do list and that doubles up yeah. your, your task. Just so many little tips, actually. And they, they, they even insist that, my, and I don't, I haven't managed this, but they insist that your inbox should be empty because the idea is your inbox is the carrier pigeon delivering the message. You should put it where it needs to go to be dealt with. So it should wow. go, it's something to do at home. And they, they suggest, I mean, this is so nerdy, but delicious. They suggest... Yeah. Um, and actually you have uh, location-based task lists. So things you can do at home, things you can do at your yes. desk, things you can do on the phone. So if you're in a cab and you've got five minutes between meetings and you can look at your, what can I do on the phone list? You can do a truck to his rather than oh, actually spend I your time. Looking. I know, right? Oh I know. That music to my ears. I'm like, I knew oh you'd really God. get off on yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a to-do list, but I don't have one up until today that's in different locations. I flipping love that. Well, especially with your life. So it's, yeah. it's actually, it's fascinating. And so yeah. it came out of this work that this guy, he was, was a, um, a sort of a management consultant actually. And, and people kept saying, you know, how can I become more efficient? And he really studied the way people work. But I think it's amazing at school, we don't learn those sort of systems. I think a lot of people struggle with managing all the, all the incoming and we are overwhelmed with, you know, I was thinking, it's, you know, you've got WhatsApp, you've got, in, you know, people invite you to dinner on Instagram. You're like, whoa, I'm not checking that channel. There's all these no. channels. And then something that, you know, that the child will shout down the stairs um, that you've also got to incorporate and then get into do, to-do lists and then organise it all and somehow get it all done. It's also sort of lost the, the, the art of just physically writing down on a list. I mean, I still love a piece of, you know, a really lovely legal pad or a really beautiful notepad and a, a pen. You can't beat that, really. I mean, I Well, for me think- also, I find the process of writing, and that's because, of course, we're a certain generation when that's what we've done. So I think probably yeah. for my kids, they're used to typing, but... For me, the sort of the process of writing sort of slightly logs it in my brain as well because it's it's more yeah. pictorial in a way than just the sort of the, the you know the, the type. But um, but every everyone finds their own system ultimately. But of course, actually, how much better to be taught the best system or one of the best ten systems that might suit yeah. the way your brain works um, from the get go? So I find it really interesting. We actually did a. Um, a workshop in our store because I was so fascinated by this and I, I wondered if people might be equally fascinated slightly nervous they might think I was a complete loser um, <laughs> and we actually ran a four-day workshop in our Sewing Street store on the subject of organization and had talks every day so we had um, actually classrooms we had little classes for this oh, particular yeah. to-do list system absolutely booked to the gunnels I'm sure and then we also had a really interesting um, woman who came in to talk about how to let go of things. Because I think a lot of people, I know you're really good at this and I'm the same. A lot of people um, find it difficult to let yeah. go of so their houses and their lives silt up with things and then they can't find it. You can't be very organized that way. So the actual emotional attachment and how you kind of make peace with that. Um, and we had someone talking about, you know, how to kind of get up and get dressed in the morning without wasting any headspace. And just brilliant, really, it was really, really fun. Well, I think the other thing is, is that sometimes, or what I find, and maybe you agree, is that if you're, if you're that 
person that's super organized and I am and I'm and I don't kind of keep clutter and every drawer I love doing out people put that next to somebody that's like not I'm not emotional like my mother always say Emma's brilliant she's like not remotely emotional I'm like no no I have everything I love it's just somewhere that I know that it is and I saw again in the book you did this memory shelf like you've got places where you put all the things that you love I've got the same I've got an amazing piece of I've got an amazing piece of art. Actually, I must introduce you to this person because it's so hard to describe, particularly on a podcast. But she does this amazing thing. I had these memory boxes and it was everything. And you've got quadruple the amount of children I've got. So you must have more memory boxes than me. But it's got everything that I'd ever sort of say from the children. And they take that. And over the course of a year, we had two or three meetings and she collated it into a piece of art that suited my life so it's a very organized piece of art if that makes sense but when you go when you're far away from it it looks like this amazing sort of color but when you get close to it it's tiny little pieces of paper that say things like love you mommy this is incredible because it doesn't make you non-emotion it makes you just find the right place to put things that you really love so that no, you can I totally go agree. to them. Well, I think you can actually then enjoy them. I think otherwise, frankly, you mostly just lose them and you never see them again. And then you feel quite, I mean, I know um, I have friends who feel overwhelmed, I mean, in, in a negative way. And of course it's a yeah. lovely first world problem, but by sort of by stuff and they can't sort of find their way through it. So um, I'm, I'm very much in your camp and I don't think it is unemotional. I think it is actually um, a way of actually making sure you have a place to appreciate those things and, and find a way I through. I do too. I kept every one of my kids um, converse shoes because they've had them since they were sort of newborn up until these huge plates of meat you know and they suddenly get to sort of 20 um, and actually it's so lovely because you can see I can look at them and know exactly which child wore them just by the way that they've sort yeah. of worn and some have been to Tibet and some have been you, know, you can just sort of see their life and I put them in one massive frame from the smallest to the biggest and it gives oh, me pleasure I every time I see that. it yeah 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 you see I love things like that no well so that chapter particularly sang to me but it is a really really it's a really great book because you do, as I say, you talk about doubt, you talk about worries, you give advice that you've received along the way, um, observations about confidence. It, it's so good. And I didn't know, I wasn't sure when you started, you, did you start writing it in lockdown or was it sort of pre-lockdown, but lockdown sort of sealed the deal? Um, I actually had the idea for it pre-lockdown um, and had written the sort of wireframe for it and then um, actually sort of got it done in lockdown. So it was just yeah. seemed like quite a sort of good time to do it. Although it was actually so busy lockdown, but it was a good time just to sit down and do it. It's a lot more complicated than you think writing a book. I sort of thought it's just eight essays. How can that be so difficult? Um, but actually it is quite, it's more complicated. But anyway, it's done. It's very it's done I mean, and it's, it's out. Very, well, it's very honest and it's very, I think sometimes people are not very honest about doubt and about all the things we all struggle with. Um, and I think it's really important that we are actually. And so, you know, if it helps one person, I sort of wrote it as if it was to my daughter, actually, to your earlier point, or, you know, to girlfriends, just as a really like, this is what I've struggled with. Actually, I haven't resolved half these things, but, but here they are. Um, well, I think I that's think really important as well when you're in the position that you're in and you do the job that you're in. I think to have then somebody write about vulnerability and give their view on it is just so helpful. And you say at the front that it's dedicated to hormonal voyages and underneath it says, don't ask. And then I thought, no, I want to ask because I want to, because I feel like potentially I'm a bit of a hormonal voyager, not that it's dedicated to me, but I wondered if it was that kind of person or whether there was somebody else who's a hormonal voyager. <laughs> there's a, there's, a, there's a, a lovely girl gang that I, that I have, which is, um, you know, sort of a WhatsApp group, which is, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember quite why it became the hormonal voyages, but that's the, the, the HVs as they're called. It's just um, brilliant. You realise you need your girlfriends are so important yeah. to get older. I think that's the, the really important thing. I think you are more than right on that. And I think lockdown proved that even more. I mean, I found lockdown such a... Um, 
such a revelation in terms of girlfriends and who who was around, who was your core group, who kind of was on just a very interesting exercise in sort of where your brain had been with people and 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 maybe time that you'd wasted on trying to nurture. So I don't know, it was a very good cleanse in a way, an organization of that, I thought. But 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 I know that for you, COVID was was a really busy time because you did incredible things. Um like making thousands of gowns and scrubs for the NHS. And then, of course, the things that I was actually quite jealous of, even for them, like a great PPE kit that they could Holsters. hold everything in. It's so clever. Well, because actually, what made you think well, about it? Well, so the the um, the hospital gowns, we just had a call from the Royal Marsden Hospital, which is the most brilliant um, cancer charity hospital here and, and in the world, really. So I think it's number three in the world. Um, and they just rang because we'd done some work with them saying, could I help to procure some some gowns and find a way? And um, so we managed to find the fabric, um, which is hard because everyone's just trying to find the right fabric. And we managed yeah. to find fabric that you could wash to a very high level to, to, to make sure it was infection control safe um, so that they could then wash them every night on site and therefore not need. So they had a sort of an, an endless uh, resource, if you like, um, in the way that, you know, nurses used to boil their, their uniforms at night. It makes yeah. sense. All this paper stuff that's burnt at the end of it horrific the, the environmental consequences of this this ppe um stuff but you know anyway but um so that was an amazing project and we we um made them and um funded the first lot and then we actually did a sort of a i just put on instagram saying does anyone want to help and we just had the most amazing outpouring of donations and in fact um the sunday times they got involved and we raised more so that was really lovely and then we also were approached by an amazing man called Hugh Montgomery, who is a professor of, of intensive care in London across a number of hospitals. And he's just amazing and was really in, you know, it was, as he said, it was like a war during that time. And he said that he'd had this idea for this thing called a holster, a hold with like a holster, but with a D holster, um, which would take all their things because what scrubs aren't designed to have a pen, a phone, glasses, a pass, no. et cetera, et cetera. So what was happening is they were all working so hard that normally they would put their phone for example in the locker but they wouldn't have time to go and check their phone and their kids were homeschooling and their parents were really worried about them so for their sort of you know well-being to have their phone on them meant they could just go night night darling to their kids or you know just deal with the crisis and it just was a huge help I think so they said could you help us it will just really make a difference to you know feeling that they're connected and have what they need with them um so what was lovely during that time is everyone scrambled there were no you know, all the things that would have taken committee after committee after committee, everyone just got it done. And, yeah. you know, a lot of infection control things, because obviously wearing a holster is not, in your, you know, the infection spreads through your front. So we designed it so it was under the arms, the fabric, how could it wash, all the red tape. And so we managed to get them um, out and, and dispersed uh, through quite a lot of um, ICU units and, um, and and it's sort of still going on now, actually. So it was really lovely. It felt good to be doing something, honestly. It was a real, yeah, it was but, I, but what a great thing to do, because also I hadn't really thought about that whole sustainability thing. I did think about it the other day when I was thinking about all these masks everywhere, because there's so much here in America, you just see streets are now littered with masks and the odd rubber gloves. And I thought, oh my God, because I know you care about the planet and the environment. I thought this is like, this is going to be the next thing because we've got like this whole slew of billions of things that are just like littering the planet now. Yeah, I mean, it's horrific. And I mean, obviously, you know, a pandemic is something that needs to just be, you just need to solve it. So, you know, whatever it takes, I guess. But I mean, the consequences are enormous and it, it's not rocket science. I mean, I think that word disposable needs to be taken away from yeah. our vocabulary. You know, it's just not right. There was no, there was nothing disposable in our grandparents or great grandparents 
times really you know no. down to nappies down to you know all the things that just um you know we just now take for granted that they're sort of single use and actually it just it's 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 as simple as that just don't do anything disposable you know, if that's one difference you make yeah. you know you think it's it's really important so yeah the mask problem is terrific and we've done a lot of projects um very recently with it you know i'm a plastic bag and yeah. i've been to see a number of recycling centers and landfill sites and it's fascinating i mean i actually think that um all kids really should actually go and visit a recycling centre to understand what happens because people are so disconnected yeah. um, and talking to them about what happens to all this PPE because it's contaminated. They can't recycle it, so they have to burn it. So it really ain't great for the environment, I'm afraid. Right. Gosh, I didn't even think about that. Is, I mean, you're right. I mean, I could be educated on that. I didn't know that because I knew with your I'm a plastic bag, I'm always staggered with like particularly um the bags that you make from that is so amazing when you look at it and you kind of go, Oh my God, it's made from like recycled bottles and things. It is an extraordinary thing. Cause to me, it just seems every bit as luxurious, every bit as amazing as having a well, leather that's... bag. So I'm like, then why aren't we doing this with so much more? Cause it's so incredible. It, it is well, so really, incredible. We, the answer is we really need to. Um, I mean, I think if you take plastics, I mean, I think it, it's so simple. This is why I often, I think it's quite confusing the sort of, you know, and I was confused when, when I sort of started getting involved that, you know, there's so many words that are banded around about being sustainable and, you know, it, it's what, what matters is let's try and live naturally. So that's, you know, if you buy something and use it and put it in landfill and then you buy something again and use it in landfill, it's a very linear line. It's just, it's just, yeah. you're just filling up landfill. And I always say to people, imagine if you, everything you threw away that you couldn't recycle um, that you had to bury in your garden. You know, if you had to actually, if I had to go outside now and dig a hole for every single thing that I didn't recycle, I mean, it would be overwhelming and disgusting. So within five minutes, you'd stop doing it. So yeah. what we need to do is to buy something and use it hopefully forever. But if not, we then recycle it and put it back so it gets used again. So then it goes from being a straight line to being a circle, basically. So that's when they talk about the circular economy. Um, a lot yeah. of these words are sort of banded around, but that actually often a very good explanation is simple because it's just, it's common sense. So that's why disposable things were a disaster. And in addition to buying something new and using it, putting it back, the other thing is what's, um, yeah, there's, there's, I think there's 8 billion tonnes of plastic on the planet at the moment. Um, so there's all this resource in a way that's there. So rather than shoving it all in landfill, let's find ways to keep it in circulation and use it, which is what that project was about. And and actually, you can then apply a kind of a creativity to it. And to, I mean, it's been, we spent two years trying to make something that was really, really luxurious and felt and actually behaved. In fact, behaved so much like a cotton canvas that actually gets dirty like cotton canvas. So we actually then had to coat it on one side so that it didn't get dirty. We managed to extract the PVB, which is the plastic from um, between the windscreen, the glass in your windscreen, which would have gone into landfill and oh, to use amazing. that as a coating. So it's, it's really, it's really interesting in terms of R&D. It was fascinating and I learned so much. So that was a project and is a project that's obviously ongoing and it's amazing. And just, it's how can we keep using what's out there? Yeah, because I had no idea. And I have to say that my bag, you know, because obviously there are bags that, that, that have that sort of longevity and, and don't do anything. But I've got to say, my I'm a plastic bag. It's, it's every bit as good. It's not like it's a, it's not like it's a second class citizen. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. an amazingly yeah, yeah. luxurious yeah. thing. Yeah. And I do think, again, I, I feel that maybe the pandemic, if there's going to be good, which comes out of it, which we hope there is, I feel like everything is moving more towards that. I've noticed a big trend in ethical what, fashion and upcycling fabrics and people not being as wasteful. And I sort of hope that that was from, you know, everybody being at home and maybe being more aware of their actual surroundings rather than kind of rushing. Because I feel like maybe the disposable thing just came from us just having this very disposable life. You know, we could just sort of do 
anything. I mean, you and I have been I speaking lockdown. Right. I used yeah. to be able to get on, if my sister had needed me, I could have got on 18 different flights a day. It's made us all stop and think, I think. And actually, I think, I mean, for me also realise what's important a little bit. And I mean, you know, I think the environment, you know, we've got 10 years to fix this. So we thought COVID was bad. I mean, it's like a, you know, warm up situation that's not even, yeah. I mean, you know, you think an overheated planet is that's not hospitable and everyone going north because it's too hot south and flooding and overcrowding and food scarce. I mean, it's properly frightening. I mean, actually so much so it's almost unpalatable actually. So yeah. it, it's, it, it really, you know, we have to crack this, isn't it? And we, and we can, and we will, but it's, it's, it's now because even now it's, it's, you know, we, it's going to have to be a question of offsetting and re- reducing. I and mean, it's, it's not possible to fix it just with one solution. Anyway, all sort of rather depressing, but it's, I, I think what's fun, you can apply creativity and, and innovation and I think you can do good stuff. And actually I learned a lot. And I think part of these projects also not only about trying to kind of keep things out of landfill and, and but it's also about educating. And the one thing that I um, learned on that project, I had imagined I would use recycled leather as the trim, you know, use the leather that's around and repurpose it. But actually recycled leather, vegan leather is, is um, either leather mashed up and then remixed together with glue, so with plastic, um, or it is just plastic. So vegan leather is plastic. That's what that is. Um, so the only things that are not are, are you know, mushroom leather. And there are a few things that are really interesting. That, and people are working on trying to make them sort of palatable and nice. But actually, what I learned, and it was really full circle from what I had expected, is that actually, you know, you need, we need biodiversity. We need animals in the land to turn the soil. It's good for the, the soil is the, the most important thing, the quality of our yeah. soil. And you need animals to move. So actually, well-raised cows that are traceable, that don't deforest, and the leather from those animals is a byproduct. It yeah. actually, it's it's sort of it's probably the right way to behave. I think you know in moderation. So, um, so we ended up going to to leather for that bag, which which was yeah. a surprise to me. Not not vegan leather, nor nor recycled leather, um, but completely fully traceable back to the back to the field. So you know you yeah. know where the animals come from. So that's also was really interesting. So sorry, I'm boring on, but it was a really really no, you're not. I, it's mm. it's fascinating to me because it is something that I you know again I think that people aren't educated on and I and I put myself in that you know we all want to do our bit but but you can only really do it with really great education like you you can't you and you need visualization of it it's why I loved you know like when you did the window and you just filled it with plastic bottles that's a that's a visual that people and your windows and things and your your campaigns are always so genius there was a quote I saw that each of your bags took 32 recycled half liter bottles and I was like Wow. And so when you put them in the window and you can kind of see, you know, 432 or however many it took, you go, wow. That's well, it was really... a, that was the point of that window. So we, we for Fashion Week, we thought we're not going to do Fashion Week. We're going to just close all our stores and show people what eight seconds of landfill looks like. And it was 90,000 used bottles, which we collected ourselves, by the way. That was quite a project. Um, that's probably why we all got COVID. Um, and, <laughs> um, and, well, you um, laugh, but filled, probably, yeah. <laughs> no, I know, right? Um, <laughs> and we filled up the store literally as if it was full of water, right up to this, almost to the ceiling. Um, and... Um, it just, it connects people. I think that point about if you buried it in your garden, if you saw it, you wouldn't do it. And that's why I think it's very important for people to go to landfill sites or to recycling centres. Because actually, if you see it, you're like, no, no, this is disgusting. It's mad. Just because it gets taken away at the end of your road and someone, yeah. you know, it, you just, it, you're, you're just, it, it makes you not behave perhaps as sensibly as you might, I think. Well, I have to say, because I, I, I've been a fan of yours literally from the beginning and, and I had you know, your first sort of, you know, the, the amazing beer bags where you're the first person to put, you know, photographs on there. And I've got, 
so many of them in different shapes and sizes. And it was making me laugh the other day because Lily said to me, she said, I've got one of your early vintage Anya bags. I was like, I'm going to tell Anya she's now got that really cool word with her, which is one of my bags because anything, I mean, to be fair, anything Lily has of mine from like a year ago, she goes, you know, that vintage jacket or I'm like, I'm not that old. <laughs> not sure I have to be vintage. the word vintage. <laughs> yes, but, but I have got some going back, dating back, they, they're just they're just so great because you talk about sort of an organized memory. I love that because I kind of carry my memory with me. And I just think you just can't beat those bags. I just adore them. You were <laughs> well, so were clever nice. was, to think a, of that. Well, it was a very nice project because it, it donated to cancer. So it was um, for lots of cancer charities around the world. So it was it was a nice one, especially given what we're all going through now with our Well, exactly. Friends, well, so. I I. I I can't tell you again, you know, I, I properly love the book. I think people will really love reading it. And, and I think you've done so brilliantly with it. And the title is just epic because it just speaks to everybody. And the village, I literally cannot wait. Now I realize I need to book ahead for my hair appointment, which I will for the 24th of June. Let's hope it's still open then because I definitely want to come in and have shampoo and therapy for a start. But the village, I can't wait. And in the cafe, am I going to be, I'm going to be having like cookies and delicious cakes and coffee, right? Or am I well, going to no, have anything biscuits, else? Biscuits, because we're, we're English, of course. Biscuits. Biscuits. Okay, so I'm going to have biscuits, a biscuits, yeah. <laughs> Look how American I've become. I go cookies I know. I'm shocked muffins. at correcting you, yeah. No, it's the idea, actually. It's quite an English cafe, because we, we started out sort of doing a, a little, almost like an Italian cafe in England. And I thought, no, let's just make it like an English cafe. Um, but it would, but recreate and reimagined in the most, with the most exquisite ingredient ingredients. So, you know, we literally, the milk is from oh. down the road, down here in Somerset and the, you know, the, the chocolate. So we're talking from... more um, bourbons and custard cream vibe. Am I? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. Just really happy making sort of just English classics. And I think that um, it will be, I hope a really nice little local spot for people who live nearby and lots of schools nearby. And I hope it's quite fun for people if they come to London from abroad to just have a little taste of, of, yes. um, of sort of England in a way. So um, I've just, honestly, it's like, it's just been a really fun project. There's, I mean, it, it's lovely to be designing cakes and you can almost have all the fun of designing a handbag but into a cake but all the packaging and all the and it's just there's loads and loads of stuff so yeah it's really because well, you really can do project. good organization for biscuit packaging yeah. I mean you yeah, can yeah. really oh, yeah. oh it ticks yeah. that box and then I can go to the bespoke bit and then I can I'm, no I'm, I'm trust me I'm going to be in heaven it's going to be my village and I'm actually staying really nearby when I come so trust me you will we'll see me in lunch. your village and we'll put where everybody can get the book and I can't thank you enough for chatting to me today oh it's so nice to chat to It's been love. a joy. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode, do leave a five-star review and you can find out more by going to buyemma.co.